1: Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends. Earlier this week, dear listeners, Dad and I talked about a whole bunch of spooky stuff. Basically, we put a cap on this long-running ghost story that was being played out at North Sydney Police Station. And thank you so much for all the freaky correspondence from all of you about ghost stories that you've encountered in your lives and, uh, you know, in your time uh, at work. Dad... You just told me something very odd. I I capped off last episode by talking about a haunted doll on eBay, and you said to me that you encountered a lot of haunted stuff during your time as an antique stealer. Now, people have really enjoyed your antique stories, but how can they possibly be scarier than the stories we talked about earlier this week? Well, Paul, when you're dealing with something
2: that has been in a family for a long time... Yeah. ...often treasured, I'm sure that some objects... In my opinion, quite often paintings tend to just get this... Because paintings are a a window into the past. You know, when you go to an art gallery... Yeah. And you look at a painting, for example, painted in, say, the 1400s, they didn't have cameras back then. We all know that. However, if, for example, you look at a painting from, let's say, a Dutch painting from the 1500s, and it's a still life. And you know what
1: a still life is, don't you? Yeah, but why would you haunt a painting of a couple of pieces of fruit? Wouldn't it make more sense just because Paul, to his, just... you are so sweet. No, seriously, wouldn't it make more sense to haunt a picture of yourself? Well, Paul, just let me just run
2: this, because you know that my brain's a little bit odd. But what I wanted to say to you yeah. um, is that if you look at the fruit in the picture... <laughs> from, say, the 1500s. Can you... Uh, you ready for this? Yeah. The fruit is basically rotten. It doesn't look like fruit today. And I know what you're thinking now. You're thinking, what the fuck, Dad, does this have to do with anything? And quite frankly, I don't know. But Great. Paul... No, yeah. but it's fascinating
1: Um, on many levels. What do you mean so, the fruit's... No, I'm sorry. What do you mean... I've never seen a still life with rotten fruit. Paul, you're not looking. You're not listening. Paul, Listen. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. Okay. My point being, and I'm sorry to keep saying my point being. No, because before you just like not one minute ago you said, "What is my point? I don't know." No, but I have a point now, and the point is that they were that
2: that fruit back then was not as it is today.
1: Well, it wasn't as aesthetically pleasing, Correct. certainly. That's but when my you, point. If you, wait, that's your point. This is. An, I asked you about fucking ghosts, and you're no, like, you know, we're actually, coming, we're getting my to my overall that. point is that the produce situation back then was very different. And uh, and enclosing f- fruit.
2: No, but it's kind of interesting that when you look at pictures, I mean, they'd never ever look. They. I I saw a, a painting recently of a woman, and she had a massive skin cancer on her cheek. From the 1500s, it was. It's a famous Spanish painting. What is my point? Fuck's sake. That they didn't sort of make everything kind of beautiful. It was the equivalent. Artists back then basically airbrushed all the bad features. But occasionally okay, Abe they... subs-
1: Dad, listen, you've gone full Abe Okay, Simpson. Sorry, but what it's I'm trying to- tra- No, he, he, okay, seriously, here's what I'm trying to figure out, right? First of all, before we get into haunted objects, and something mm. that I think we are going to talk about a bit on yep. this week's loose ends, is yep. if you were going to let's say you popped your cork, right? You're dead. You're dead, and you can haunt. Any object in your house, hmm. which object would you haunt and why? Okay, it's an excellent question. But
2: could I, can we expand on that a little bit? And can they be an object in each of our kids'
1: houses? Wait, no, you can't haunt something in my house. I can haunt something in my house. Okay. What well, would I, you wouldn't, haunt- I wouldn't, I um, wouldn't, for example, haunt a rug.
2: Okay. And you know I love rugs. Yep. In yep. fact, you've got one of my beautiful rugs that's not mine anymore. I gave it to you. You want
1: to get you wouldn't want to get trod
2: on. Correct. is what you are saying. That's right. Yep. And I kind of wouldn't like to be a box like an old trunk, okay? Because when you closed it, that'd be a bit depressing. Although I'd...
1: sometimes you are quite full of it. Yeah, stuff. I mean.
2: So I would pick something beautiful. Yeah. Um, that would never be touched. So, um, well, in in our house here. We own a magnificent rhinoceros um, and I'd probably haunt that because I think it'd be pretty cool at times if it
1: moved by itself okay. so you would haunt a two foot long resin rhinoceros mm. yep. okay mm-hmm. I was hoping yeah I was kind of hoping you'd want to haunt a copy of the book I wrote about you because then you know you could flap it and fly around a bit yeah that'd be weird, cool Yep, papery bat okay yes. what would you haunt Paul? I'm looking around the study, the uh, office in which I record this stuff Tegan uh, did an oil painting of me for the Archibalds Mm. And in a completely bullshit move, it didn't get through It's a really good painting She really has, (laughs) she's got some skills And I would probably haunt the painting of myself Because let's face it, if I could make that kind of oil version of myself You know, come to life and leave the painting God, that'd be freaky as shit Mm. Anyway, let's talk about haunted objects Okay, cool Yes, you were. You're an antique dealer. You've been mm. an antique dealer for decades now. And yes, forty years. It, I've been an 40, antique dealer. As established earlier this week, you, you know, you don't not believe in this stuff. No,
2: I, I, I've had a lot of very, very, in fact, I'd go so far as to say, exceptionally unusual mm-hmm. things have happened to me in the world of antiques. So we had an antique shop in Manly. And I was in my mid-twenties, and I was so hyper-enthusiastic and keen, which I still am to this very day. But we set up this really beautiful shop within an antique center. We were one of the first dealers in there. And the shop was so beautiful. Now, I have mentioned to you before, Paul, that on the grand opening, Mm -hmm. this was a... I, I dare say it was almost a bit of a society evening where people dressed up in period costume from the nineteen twenties. It was like a Gatsby evening. It was so exciting, and it took place in Manly in this brand new antique centre, which had about maybe forty dealers, antique dealers, and some of the dealers were were from the, I guess, the big end of town. There was a little bit of resentment. In fact, I'd say there was a lot of resentment toward Christine and myself. People looked at us and thought, who are these young people? You know, they're were you in, in 20s. Co- were, you, were you not
1: in costume? Um, I Hang on, sorry, I... hang on, hang on. You said it was a Gatsby party, right? Correct, Gatsby yep. takes place in the 20s. You yep. and Mum were in your 20s, therefore you don't need to dress up because you are thematically on point anyway.
2: Well, age-wise, but I certainly didn't dress up with a boater and spats. Why not? Because I, I don't know. I, I'm not into dressing up. You know that. Um... So, and Christine Christine made an effort, she wore something quite beautiful, so appropriate, with some beautiful jewellery, and
1: she looked the part, I looked pretty stock standard, I guess. Hang on, so mum dressed up in costume and you did not? Correct. Fuck, you're a party pooper. Yes, I am. Just get into it. Nah, no, I don't, it just, ugh, makes me... <laughs> you're, such a, you're such a stodgy old, sometimes no, you are the life of the party, and sometimes you just go, Nah. Um, But I reckon that we could get you into it. Here's the thing, Dad. If we did some sort of high-concept photo shoot for loose units Mm. and they said you need to get into a police uniform, would you do that?
2: Um, Yeah, that'd be weird Um, because I'm very critical about police uniforms when I watch TV shows, particularly Australian ones because they're just not on point. And, Mm -hmm. Paul, if if loose units or electric blue, if they make it to, to screen, I really hope that they go hard with all the... The uniform stuff, because I'm really particular about that. Yeah. I think it's got to be right.
1: But if we got you into a period-appropriate police costume, would you be okay with that? I'll
2: tell you what I'd really like to do. Yeah. I'd love to dress up as a 19th century police officer. I think that'd be
1: really cool. Oh, like like searching for the Ripper? Like a Bobby. Yeah, like a... Blowing I a whistle think, think, and running, running through a foggy, cobbled alleyway to find the body of a prostitute yeah, or, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay.
2: I could dig that. But on this particular night... Yes. Christine and I, we made sort of an exemplary effort with our particular little shop, and it looked superb. And I know that I, I'm quite sure I've mentioned this to you and the listeners before, but at the end of the evening, we went back into our magnificent shop which there were literally a thousand people at this do. It was a huge do. And we had the most beautiful Victorian silver um, teapot on a stand with a little gas burner underneath, like you'd light a wick, and that would keep the the tea warm throughout the evening in Victorian times. This was the centrepiece of the shop. It was sitting in the middle of a magnificent 19th century circular cedar table. And it was so beautiful. And toward the end of the evening, I went back into our beautiful shop and I stood there and someone had stolen the teapot and stand. They'd taken it. And I I was absolutely devastated. And I didn't let that sort of, you know, ruin me. There was that there were no sort of um, you know closed circuit television someone had just taken advantage of this incredibly sort of frantic crowd at night and and, and just decided um, to take this magnificent quite large item so that was a, that was a bummer and then we um, a couple of weeks later oh. um, some people repelled and we all know that repelling requires rope these organized criminals cut a hole in the roof of this massive antique centre. How high was the roof? Oh, mate, it was... It was... Look, it was probably 30 feet, mm-hmm. two and a half, three storeys. Just this huge, huge Victorian warehouse that had been converted into all these really nice shops. But there was no sort of ceiling above each shop. It was The ceiling was the top of the building. And these people, on a weekend, had cut a hole in the roof and repelled using ropes, down into the actual antique centre. Mm-hmm. And they made a beeline for um, for our shop. And they stole, they smashed a glass cabinet that was locked and they stole a lot of, for us, very valuable items, small items, silver yeah. items. And I'll never forget there was this antique dealer that I would describe as a, as a complete fuckwit. Okay. Like a real arsehole. He was mm. from a very high-end... Uh, He'd been a top antiquator in London. He was a snob and an arsehole. And you know what he actually implied? He implied that Christine and I had organised the break-in. Can you believe
1: it? I don't know. That doesn't really make much sense to me.
2: No, because he felt that it was an insurance job.
1: Right. But none of our stuff was insured. So hang on. Sorry to just uh, skip ahead, but thematically, um, where's the spooky stuff here? Oh, I haven't come to that yet. Oh, okay, cool. But anyway, look, I'm just sort of. We've, we've, we're just sort of setting the
2: scene for, you know, the world of antiques, as it of was. course. Okay, so I once bought from an estate possibly the world's ugliest bowl. It was like a cabbage, which sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the cabbage was a big red lobster in high relief. Sure. This bowl was, it was on so many levels. Um,
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: So Christine and I, we put this bowl, this lobster bowl, like the lobster sitting on the big cabbage, in our antique shop. And after about two years, I thought to myself, I am just, this is never, ever going to sell
1: Yeah, that's a reasonable assumption if it's been there that long. Yeah.
2: So what happens with antique dealers is that, or used to happen, because there are Mm. very few antique shops left in Sydney now, but you you, you had to sort of keep rotating your stock because people that come into an antique centre or a shop quite regularly, the worst thing that can happen is that they walk through and they see your display exactly the same as it was two months ago. Yeah, they okay, they're not moving any correct, product at all. They're not moving any product. Is it, is, it, is it not good? Is it damaged? Has it been restored? Is it too mm-hmm. expensive? There are so many different things. So one of the things you can do is you can move things around, to sort of create the illusion of kind of, you know, but that only works for so long. So I decided to take this particular relatively unusual but slightly grotesque bowl to auction and it sold in a boxed lot so i had to have other things with it to sort of create some incentive for it to sell and it sold for not a lot of money Mm -hmm. many 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 years went by and there was a very famous but slightly creepy antique center called the ark and it was near sydney university and on a weekday christine and i used to funnily enough, frequent lots and lots of antique shops and centres. And as you may recall, Paul, we used to take you kids up to the Blue Mountains. Do you recall we would stop at every antique
1: shop on the way to the Blue Mountains? All I remember is the uh, the Scenic Railway and the Hydro Majestic. I don't Mm. remember a single antique. Growing up, I remember a lot of antique shops. But okay, so you'd stop at all the shops on the way to the Blue Mountains. Mm -hmm. Yes and we used
2: to just because we used to be looking for various because you can still get bargains in other antique shops so we used to be able to mm-hmm. so we go to this antique center called the ark now this antique center on a really really sunny day in sydney middle of summer was still very dark but we chose a dark cloudy rainy, stormy, winter's day in Sydney. It was so dark inside the antique centre that it took a while for your eyes to climatise to the environment. And that's when you first walked in. This was a two-storey antique centre. It had probably 300 antique dealers working out of it, bearing in mind that some antique dealers had a small shop, but a lot of antique dealers had one or two glass cabinets. Mm-hmm. There would be one person at the entrance to the centre that was the manager. That's how all antique centres worked. And you would peruse items. You Every cabinet would have like a number on it. And if you saw something you liked, you'd go back to the member of staff. You'd say... I'd like to have a look at something in Shop 7, Cabinet 4. They'd track down the keys, they'd walk with you, and you could sort of check out the particular object. We're walking through this antique centre, getting right towards the back, the bowels, and it was really dark. There was no one in the antique centre. It was creepy, absolutely creepy. It was kind of slightly sad. It was, ugh, it was just this kind of weird feeling it was sort of it was so cluttered it was not sort of beautiful spaciously sort of items sort of with where you could walk around them it was just all basically there were literally i'd say there were millions of items in this antique center so it was a very famous antique center very famous we're at the very back of the antique center on the ground floor and then there were these rickety stairs that takes you to the next level now, very few people go to the next level, like you, your your brain is so sorry up or down, up up yeah up okay, up in, okay. onto the first floor, yep. and there is basically a repeat of the ground floor, but of course there's a void, so you have to sort of walk around. It's like being in a museum where you know you can look down into the into the sort of the middle of the the ground floor, mm-hmm. so all these little cabinets, and we're up. And we're sort of walking around, not, not paying attention to anything in particular, bearing in mind that it's it's the weather's appalling, it's super dark, we're on the first floor and we're at the very back of the building where you almost needed a miner's lantern to be able to see where you were going. And then Christine and I, we kind of both stopped together. We looked down and at the very back of this, this antique centre... Sitting amongst a lot of other stuff. Can you guess what we saw? The bowl. The bowl. The green cabbage bowl with a sad lobster. I'm hypothesizing that it was sad. Sitting amongst this lettuce. I mean, it's crazy. It's kitsch. We look at this bowl in disbelief. We knew that that was the bowl because it had a tiny little fleck of paint missing off one of the lobster's claws. And as God is my witness, Paul and listeners, as God is my witness, from nowhere, from nowhere, an elderly lady appears. She comes from behind us. She reaches past us and she grabs the bowl. And she puts it under her arm and she scurries off down the stairs and she buys the bowl. Okay? Aside from this being 100% true, what are the possibilities statistically of that happening? They're so infinitesimal. First of all, are you sure it's the same bowl? We, we knew it was the same bowl. Yeah. That's that's not an issue. It Sorry, was, how, did you, how did you know it was the same bowl again? Because it had a tiny fleck of... Uh, Like this orange paint missing off one of the look. It was quite a rare piece, but in the world of antiques, Paul, rare does not equate to value. Okay, it was not. It was never a valuable piece, but and it was not. And and it turns out after two years in our shop, it obviously had no appeal.
1: Yeah. Except you're in this kind of, you know, ruinous rabbit Warren, Mm -hmm. right? On this second floor in this odd place, and as you walk up to it and go to look at it. An old woman appears out of nowhere, grabs the bowl, and goes and buys it.
2: Correct. And this woman was in her 70s, I'd say. You think she was a ghost? Well, I never saw her face. Okay. I don't know whether I'd want to see her face. Imagine if she was wearing some sort of... I can't remember. She was sort of fairly dowdy, or even dour, may I Uh say, Mm-hmm. She kind of almost looked like a homeless woman but can you imagine if she had have turned back and looked at me and guess what I would have seen a lobster face imagine that now, now that you- part of the story is actually I'm just having fun there
1: yeah you can't you can't make the end of a story credible like, imagine sorry, if she sorry. had horns no, oh,
2: but no no but hear me out yep. that yep. was an event that happened and Christine obviously can corroborate this story yeah yep. so that's, that's 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 not an issue
1: I will say this much, it's it's not scary. It's odd. You know what I mean? It's not it, mm. I wouldn't say this is a scary story. I would no. say it's a an odd story filled with coincidences. Mm. But do but you have anything scary for us? Well no. <laughs> Paul, now that you've kind of put a little pin in
2: my little No, no. Cushion, no, please don't no um, no, no. I, I still no. there
1: is something wonderfully off centre and creepy about the story, but do you have anything? No, scary? but you had to be there. Yeah. It was a creepy environment. That the day
2: was anyway. But, all right, okay, maybe this is not creepy, Paul, but this is so weird, I think it's pretty bloody unbelievable. And I actually will go so far as to say I think it's slightly, well, you and the listeners can make up your own minds. Do you... Now, I I, I think it's fair to say that I might be considered as mildly eccentric, would, would you say? Yes, I would say that. Are you aware, Paul, I think I've mentioned it before, that I, in a crazy moment, I painted out the windows in... Our lounge room. Oh, that's right. Now, why a lot you, of listeners... Wh- why did you do that? Ah, well, I'm, I'm about to... I'm coming to that. Now, I, I think at this juncture, the listeners go, hang on, that is actually fairly weird. Mm-hmm. But then, not only did I paint out all the windows, so the, the room was really dark.
1: Oh, yes, yes.
2: I then inserted shelving into where these big double doors were so I could display my... Because everyone remembers that I used to have a ginger, like, a, uh, like remember how I was into bottles and I had
1: three thousand bottles in the garage. It sounds like at this point you completely butchered the architecture and the feng shui of our living room by blacking things out, putting shelves in, so you could display your bottles.
2: Yes, I actually put shelving in where so you couldn't actually go out of the doors. These were two glass doors that went out onto a beautiful balcony with uninterrupted views because we were very high up over basically Sydney. You recall? Oh, you, you need help. So I well so so I blacked everything out I, did, in fairness I used white paint it still, it still had the same effect zero yeah. light came through put in shelving then displayed a magnificent collection of bottles and I guess I did that for security reason as well so that people couldn't see the great collection of bottles but in hindsight I don't think there'd be too many thieves that would be interested in my bottles Okay, so where's the spook? Ah, I'm just creating a sense of... When you kids used to come home sort of from school, you know, you kids would have sat at probably 200 different dining tables. You would have experienced thousands of items of furniture, vases, paintings, rugs. It was just... I'll never forget Christine was in hospital... She may have been giving birth to Mark. She came home from hospital and I had this wacky idea that I would create a Victorian bedroom. I had a four-poster bed. It was so stunning. I bought a whole collection from an estate. I bought cedar chest of drawers but also included in this collection and the bed was so high Poor Christine could not get into bed. It was so high up. So, you ready for this? Yeah. I, weirdly, had also bought a very, very large collection of creepy Victorian dolls. I bought about 200 dolls. And what I did, I covered the bed and basically all around the room with these dolls. What? Yes. Why? <laughs> for- because I thought it was just creating this atmosphere of, uh, of Victorian what, horror.
1: Like, what... <laughs> no, Paul, <laughs> hang on, hang Paul. on. Sorry, why was she? Why was she at the hospital again? Giving birth to Mark. Okay, so when someone's gone through the trauma of childbirth and thinking about children is the last thing they want, you don't put a fucking four-poster bed with hundreds of haunted porcelain dolls. I know,
2: but I put all the dolls all over the bed as well, and there were literally. And poor Christine, she's walked into this bedroom. Nothing from her prior to leaving was there i'd got rid of everything i'd recreated this victorian room which looking back on it it was pretty creepy and she was so upset with the dolls <laughs> she was so pissed off in a kind of a nice way but she was really upset that she basically demanded that i get rid of all the dolls and some of the dolls were a very famous brand and they're called the googly-eyed doll and they've got these bulging eyes and i actually had and one of the dolls you could stick your hand up inside it and rotate it and it actually had three faces
1: yeah that that doesn't sound like something i'd want if i just pushed a, a child out of my body she you didn't know, push
2: it out paul it was a cesarean
1: still recovering from the trauma of childbirth i know and, and then
2: there was and- the added problem that she actually couldn't get up a, into bed
1: just that might be the, that might be the that, Look, that's not the dumbest thing you've ever done. It's one of the weirdest. I know it is odd, but here's the point. Point being that I used to
2: create these themed rooms because I just... I mean, might I add, Paul, that is the same house where we had that incredible coffin downstairs. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I forgot about that. The oh, Batesville. fucker. Which was a okay. talking point. So, Paul. Yes. Finally getting to the point of the story about the haunting. Okay. We had this beautiful clock. This is just so amazing. Christine and I were in the kitchen, which was a long way down the hallway from where this clock was. Mm -hmm. Now, the clock was hanging in the hallway near the entrance to our house. We were a good 15 metres down the hallway and to the right into our big kitchen, and Christine and I were sitting at a kitchen table... And we're discussing the clock. Get ready for this. Yeah. This is a true story. We decided we were contemplating selling that particular clock. As we were talking about selling the clock, can you guess what happened? It went off. How would we know? Uh, The bing bongs? No, they're not called bing bongs, Paul. They're called ding dongs. It was not a dinging clock. The clock fell off the wall. Oh, that's weird. And smashed itself like an act of almost, well, clock aside. <laughs> Broke its hands. <laughs> we both jumped up and I ran down to the end of the hallway and there was the clock, shattered. Just lying there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have a feeling, Paul, that that clock knew we were talking about it and it didn't want to go.
1: Oh, right. Now, what do you think about that for a story? It's pretty weird. I think it's really weird. That's pretty spooky, I guess. I mean, a clock gaining self-awareness just to kind of...
0: No,
2: but don't you think that's just quite... I mean...
1: it's This whole thing's been really... This has been a very odd episode of Loose Ends, honestly. And you know what? I'm living for it. But Paul, Paul, what about the time we had that
2: huge dog when it used to defecate? we almost needed to get a small mechanical device in to lift its shit up. Remember that dog, the great Pyrenees? Yeah, I don't know how this is spooky. No, it's not spooky, but it's just part of that it brings back memories and you recall the story about when we when I took it to get it for the first and last time I took it to a place that sort of, you know, fluffed it up a bit. What? Well, like a dog groomer? Yeah. You remember this story? No. Are you serious? Oh, and we,
1: yes, and we left it in the... No, sorry, go on.
2: No, and I'm driving home, doing about 60, maybe 70 you, kilometres an hour.
1: Yeah, you've, you've told this on the, on the but, show But before. isn't it amazing? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes. un- unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week's Loose Ends. It's, God, it's been a weird one. But you know what? I'm going to put it down to lockdown, frying our brains. Next week on Loose Units, we have a very, very big story for you. So make sure you do your homework, kids. Otherwise, make sure you head across to facebook.com forward slash Loose Units. Leave us a message. Go to iTunes or Spotify and please give us a rating and review. Spread the word about the show. Make sure everyone listens to it. And have a great weekend. But we'll see you next week for more Loose Units. Bye. Cheerio. Bye.